We are in the third week of a series we call This Is Us, and if you haven't called up yet, I would encourage you, wherever you get music, wherever you get a podcast, on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play Store, just wherever you find them, you can find, or on our website, you can catch up uh, with this series, and it's been so good, and I hope that uh, I hope that you have been blessed by it. I always like to tell you where we're going before we get where we are, and so next week, we are concluding this series with a special message for all the married people, and how many of you are married people in the room? Let me see where you at, married people. You don't know yet? Look at your spouse. Ask them. We still, we still together? Uh, this is going to be good. This I promise you, you're going to love next week. Do not miss that. Don't come alone next week either. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be a great time, and then uh, then we kick off, in the first of March, we kick off our Easter series, everybody. Can you believe it? it's almost Easter? It's crazy. That it feels like the days are just flying. We just celebrated Christmas together, I feel like, and we're already at Easter time, and uh, our Easter series is going to be amazing. Our team's already planning and preparing our best Easter yet for you and for your family and friends. Matter of fact, we have three services that day. It's going to be absolutely dynamic, plenty of room for your friends and family, and um, you just don't want to miss it. April the 1st, April the 1st, Easter's early this year, April the 1st, and uh, I can't wait to sort of get in that vein, start preaching that direction, helping you in the month of March leading into uh, April. It's just going to be so good. Before we do all that, we are going to dive into week three of This Is Us. Grab your Bibles, or if it's on your phone, on a tablet, grab wherever you get God's Word. Let's ask God to talk to our hearts. Father, thank you for your Word. God, I believe in this book. There's more than just a collection of stories. It's more than just um, it's more than just words on a page. God, there's no question in my life, no relationship in my life that you can't answer that you don't have direction for. So I pray today that as we open your word, you would open my heart and you'll speak to me. God, I want to leave here better than I came. Come on, everybody whisper that to the Lord. God, I'm ready to be changed. I want to, I want to line my life up to your word today. I trust you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen. Come on, do that better. Everybody shout a big amen. Yeah, thank you again for uh, being in church today. So if you did miss, let me kind of catch you up. Week one of this series called This Is Us, we talked about your identity and your value not coming from your relationships. That if you get in a relationship, let me let me go ahead and stop right here and tell you. I, I've told you this every week, but before I dive any further, today's message is PG-13. Probably the most PG-13 of all of our messages. and Won't say anything crude, nothing to embarrass you, but just to give you a heads up. This is the message. If you have little ears, you need to take, take good advantage of City Hills kids. I promise you, or you're going to get in the car and you're not going to talk about Sunday school. So <laughs> we talked about in, in week one, we talked about finding your value and, and your identity, not in your spouse or in your, in your partner in a dating relationship. If you, matter of fact, if you tried to do that, you're really asking them to become something they were never meant to be for you. You were never meant to find your identity in the person that you were dating. You know, Everybody knows that one person, that one guy, that one girl, that when they get involved in a dating relationship everything's all about that person. Their whole identity becomes about that person. We said this in week one, if you missed it, that you don't need somebody to be somebody. Amen to everybody. You don't need somebody to be somebody. That my identity is in Christ, not in you, not in a relationship that I have in you. Number two, the second week, last week, we talked about uh, singleness and dating. We talked to all the single ladies and all the single men and we said this big idea that the world has one way of going and one way of dating and one way of you know, the laws of attraction that the world has, and that if you want something better than what the world has, that you're going to have to have the courage to do something different than what the world does. That you can't expect to not have the average, which the average marriage, fifty over 51, 52% of marriages end in divorce, first marriages. 
Over 80% of second and third marriages end in divorce. 71, 72%, depending on what poll you read, say that most married couples would, would call their marriage unhappy. They're unhappy. If you're married, look me right in the eyes. Don't be fidgeting when we talk about that stuff. <laughs> that they're unhappy. That's normal, everybody. And we said, if you want normal, just do what everybody else does. You can get that way. You can have about the average you know, marriage and relationship that everybody else has. But I don't want normal. I want you to have an exceptional relationship. Amen, everybody? I want you to have a healthy marriage, a God-honoring marriage. I want you to defeat the odds of normal. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to have better than the world, we're going to have to have the courage to do something different than the world. And so today... We're going to do something a little different. The first couple of weeks, we kind of looked at relationships as a whole, you know, directly singleness and dating and what all that meant. Next week, we're ending on marriage. All the married folks, all the people trying to get married, all the people trying to stay married. Come on, all the people, all the people wishing you were married to somebody else. Every, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that all next week. This week is very important. This message is for everybody: married, single, dating, married again, divorced, widowed. Really, everybody. Honestly. This is the kind of message I wish I could preach to just, just like our whole church needs this. It just, it is a relationship message, but it's really for, for everybody. And I think it's vitally important in our culture. Today I want to talk about, listen close, I want to talk about overcoming sexual strongholds. Sexual strongholds in your life. And when I was praying and preparing this, this series for you, and I knew that as my, uh, my preaching calendar began to develop last year for this coming year, that, that I, I knew this message before I knew this series. I want to help you be ready for what it's like to, to kind of break free from. I want, to get, I want to get you to the tools that you have to break free from what our culture is doing to us and, 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 and the assault. And here's what I really believe, honestly. I really believe that we're under assault sexually. I really do. I believe that. And here's, here, I want to talk about sort of overcoming that sexual strongholds. And here's the verse we're going to look at. If you want to know, you know the overarching verse for today, here it is. It's found in 2 Corinthians. Here's what the Bible says. Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. That's an important uh, subject for you to know. It doesn't really matter what we're talking about, sex or your marriage or relationships or just in, you know depression, any other thing in your life. We don't wage war like the world does. It's not just we don't fight like they fight. We don't go to the same places they go, like to find help. They, they would tell you, well, if you'll just read another book and, and you'll go through this or this 12-step program. Listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that and counseling, and I want you to do all of that. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to know, if you're going to overcome something spiritual in your life, we're going to have to fight differently than the world fights. Everybody shout amen to that. So the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have the weapons that we have have divine power to, here's the phrase, to demolish strongholds. Underline that in your Bible. This is an interesting scriptural word, strongholds. And here's what we do. We, we, we even, though, even though these things sort of have us, the strongholds, we demolish our arguments and every pretension, arguments and pretensions. Underline these two words in your Bible. These are the only two things the enemy uses as a stronghold. Arguments and pretensions. We get the word pretending from this, same, from this same root word. In other words, the enemy of your soul, the devil, only has two tactics against you to keep you held up in a sexual stronghold or really any stronghold in your life. And it's an argument and it's a pretending. He pretends to be something he's not. He pretends that what it is you're involved in isn't what it is. It sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And so here's how we do it. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We're going to talk about strongholds and specifically overcoming sexual strongholds today. Here's a, 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 the best definition. I can give you a simple definition of a stronghold. Write this down. A stronghold is anything 
that just won't let you go. It's just anything that won't let you go. It's the thing that you keep dealing with. It's the thing that keeps showing up in your resolutions. You know what I'm talking about? Like on your New Year's resolutions, it was on last year's. It was on the year before that. Krispy Kreme's is a stronghold. Come on, somebody. Like it just shows, I just heard somebody say, mm. <laughs> it just it shows up over and over and over on my resolutions. But listen, there's some of you, it's not just food, it's not just diet and exercise. There's some sexual stuff that shows up year after year, even on a private list. This is, God, I, I need to get through this. And this is true for really any area of your life. There's some of you who've battled chemical and alcohol addiction or, 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 or just habits or, or, or your temper or anger or just stuff you can't get rid of. It's more than sin. Listen close. It becomes a stronghold when it won't let you go. It keeps showing up in your prayer time. God, i got to get past this. God, how am I always going to have to deal with this? Is this always going to be a problem? Here's the answer. Listen close. The answer is no. It's not always going to be a problem. You can demolish, the Bible said, a stronghold, and this is how. you got to learn how to fight against these two things the enemy uses against you. Write these down in your notes. They're not on the screen. you got to learn how to fight against arguments and pretensions. That's what the Bible says. It's all the enemy has. Arguments and pretensions. These two things that go on in your mind, and some of you know what I'm talking about, especially as it relates to sexual sin and sexual strongholds. There's an argument that goes on in your head. Well, nobody knows. Nobody sees this. Anybody else have narratives or like a movie screen in your head that you, like when you're fighting with your spouse, like you see this thing playing out where you're like the Incredible Hulk in your mind, you know what I'm talking about? And you, and you do, and your wife is like, why are you being so quiet and looking at me like a serial killer? And you're like, don't, don't worry about it, girl. Something going on in my head right now. You don't, and you just play out this whole scenario in your head. There's some of you, you play out this scenario in your head over and over and over. And that's the enemy with those arguments that tell you, hey, nobody's going to know. Hey, everything's okay. And then it's a pretension or it's just the enemy pretending that what it is that you're involved in is not what it looks like. He pretends that everything's okay. You pretend. All that stuff in your mind, that narrative in your mind, those two things the enemy uses, arguments and pretending. Arguments and pretending. Oh, it's not hurting anybody. And then you pretend nobody knows. Oh, oh, oh nothing's wrong with it. It's, it's just you and nobody else. It's you and a computer. Just you and your laptop. Just you and your phone. Nobody knows. And you're, and you're pretending that you can handle it. You can, you're pretending you're strong enough. It's arguments and pretensions. Arguments and pretensions. The enemy uses those to keep you in this stronghold. And if you here's the, here's the crazy thing about a stronghold. Because it's arguments and pretensions. Listen close. Before long, it starts making sense in your head. Because there's so much argument and pretending going on in your mind that you start rationalizing why what you're involved in makes sense to you. That's the way the enemy works. That's the difference in a stronghold and a sin. A sin, the moment that you do it, you know, that was a sin. I shouldn't have done that. But a stronghold, you start pretending away in your mind going, you know what? Maybe this isn't so bad. My marriage is tough anyway. We have a, you know, our sex life isn't good in our marriage. And so this is just, I have to and we have to. And this, nobody knows about this. And I haven't and we haven't. And well, I have, we haven't gone all the way. And you just, you start rationalizing. And before long, it starts making sense to you. Why this stronghold has you. And you got a way to defeat it. The Bible said, listen, we can demolish these strongholds and these arguments and these pretensions. And really, this is the whole message. If you want to take a nap, take a nap after I get through with this particular part because this is the whole message. It says you can demolish this by taking what? Taking captives the lies of the enemy. That you can actually take captive those thoughts and make them obey Christ. 
It said that your mind doesn't just run around rampantly and you have no control over it. My little six-year-old girl yesterday in the car, Hazel was in the car and she was talking about an incident. She had another six-year-old little, little boy and she, he was being mean and finally we, we walked through it and my little girl's a talker. I don't know if any, I think maybe all girls, anyway, whatever. So and she's a talker. She wants to talk it out. And Daddy, I just can't stop thinking about it. It's in my head. And if I, I had to tell her at six years old, I'm having to teach her, listen, you have control of that stuff. You're, it's not like you're outside of your body going, I can't control it. I can't control these thoughts. No, no, no. The Bible says you can take them captive, look at them and go, hey, jokers, you guys can't control me any longer. I'm going to bring you over here and make you obey Christ. Everybody shout amen to that. Now, you're my favorite service, but first service, amen, that better. That was better. You can make it obedient to Christ. You can take that stuff and go, okay, listen, just because it popped in my head doesn't mean you're in charge of me. I'm going to take you captive. Because a stronghold is such a deception. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for stronghold is even a better definition, and it gives you further depth of what a stronghold is. Look at this. A, a, a stronghold in the ancient Greek, it really meant a prisoner like a literal prisoner who was locked up by a deception, a lie. So it's not like you're really trapped. You just think you're trapped. You, the, the enemy's convinced you there's a lie, a deception that has convinced you that you can't get out of this thing. That's a stronghold. It's a prisoner who's locked up by a lie. I have a three-year-old little boy named Henry, and Henry... We use everything we can to control him short of beating him. Amen, everybody. You know what? Yeah, somebody's raising boys. You know what I'm talking about. And he's a, he's a fantastic. You've got to call a God on his life. He's not, a, he's, a, he's not bad. We don't call our kids bad. Our, our kids have purpose. Amen, everybody. So, But to, to, to help with behavior, we do have to come up with some creative ideas. I don't know why this works, but listen, look in my eyes. Listen to me very clearly. You better not tell him any differently. But right now, Henry is terrified of the police. So we tell him every time he does something wrong that the police are coming after him. Every time. We're in the house at bedtime. He doesn't want to go to bed. We're like, I'm calling the cops. That's it. I'm calling the cops. No, daddy, no, daddy, no, daddy, don't call the cops. No, daddy, don't call the cops. And we're in bed. Bam, just like that. Okay, baby, because daddy almost called the cops right there. You almost had me. I'm going to be merciful right now. Next time I will call the cops. He does, this is a true story. I'm telling you all the truth. Y'all better not tell him no different. He's, he's scared of getting a ticket. He has no idea what it means to get a ticket. Not a clue. I, he's never been in the car with daddy. Maybe mama, we hadn't talked about it. Where we got a ticket. He has no idea, but we'll tell him, Henry, if you don't do that, a cop will give you a ticket. No, Daddy, please don't go. <laughs> I don't want a ticket. He has no idea what that means. But I control that little joker with a lie that I'm going to call the cops on him. And I'm going to write it as long as I can. I don't care what y'all think about it. If he's 15 walking around this church, y'all just look at him and say, he's going to call the cops on you. <laughs> I'm going to write it as long as I can write it. Because I'm able to control him. Listen. The enemy's lied to you that you can't get out of what you're into. And you literally are trapped by an invisible prison. 
a cage, a sexual sin that the enemies told you, you can't get out of this. You were born this way. There's something wrong with you. Something's wrong with your head. You're never going to get out of this. You're never going to be able to break free from it. You're always going to have these kind of questions, these kind of struggles, these kind of problems. And a stronghold will trap you by a deception. You understand what I'm preaching to you? Shout amen to that. That's worse than a sin, everybody. That's a stronghold. There's so many people who are locked up specifically in sexual strongholds. And I want to help you. I want to give you hope, honestly. I really believe there's hope to break you out of those strongholds. That's my plan for you. And I know you get nervous. People get nervous in church about two things when you talk about money and sex. So everybody just take a deep breath. (laughs) Your favorite movies are about money and sex. But in church, it just freaks y'all out. Y'all would rather talk about hell than you would this. You say, why are we talking about this today? Why do we have to have this message? Why did God only tell you this message? Here's the reason why. Honestly, you can think I'm crazy if you want to. Here's the reason why. I think our culture is under sexual assault. I believe that with all of my heart. If you don't, you go to a public high school. You, you, you just hang around with, with 15, 16, 18-year-olds. It is under sexual assault. Listen, when the, the whole Me Too movement and the idea that, that you know, that, that, that you just whole generations, whole, whole classes of people were, were abused. And I, I, just the other day, you know, the, the story about the, the doctor who was, who was abusing, sexually abusing those, those girls and those boys, and, and that gymnast. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? It was dozens and do- It may have been hundreds of kids. I don't remember how many it was. I remember seeing the video of, the, of one of the fathers of the two girls. The two girls were sitting here crying. And that father jumps over the table after this accuser. I know what that, I, listen, I, I, I get it. I get I'd want five minutes alone with him too. Why is that? Because we're under sexual assault. Like our whole culture is under assault. Like, like the enemy is using everything, media, movies, everything. to It, it literally, our whole, and, and we're raising generations of 20, 30, 40-year-olds who have dealt with this sexual and sensuality problem for so long that it's become a stronghold in their life. What, 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 but what started as a sin has become a stronghold. And here you are in your 30s and 40s addicted to pornography. I don't know how to get out. Addicted to novels. Addicted to what I call mommy porn. The stuff you read that nobody else thinks, you, you know, but you know. And it's become a stronghold. And we're just under assault and we're raising a generation of people. And honestly, here's the unfortunate thing. This is why I felt like God really talked to me about this. Is the church has been horribly silent talking about it. Every news channel you turn on, they're talking about it. Every hashtag you follow, they're talking about it. And we go to church and we're not talking about it. Listen, so help me God. This will not be the kind of church that remains silent about it. I want you to be free from sexual strongholds. I want you to live your life free of that stuff. I want this church to be a church where you can come. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Amen, everybody? Like, I want to break that stuff off you. And the Bible predicts this is going to happen. It says just before the coming of the Lord that this this kind of stuff would happen. There would be a generation that raises, that rises up, that that is perverse, and that's inundated with sexuality and promiscuity. And it said this, that just like it was in the days of Noah and Lot. Well, you know how it was in the days of Noah and Lot? Nothing different. Except it was a culture that really just said, I don't care. Anything's going to go. I can do whatever I want to, especially in the area of sexuality. I mean, history bears it out in the days of Noah and Lot. It was just a sexually promiscuous culture. The Bible says just before the coming of the Lord, that's the kind of generation you're going to live in. I think that's where we're living right now. 
where anything goes and you know anything happens. And, and the church has just been horribly silent on this subject. And we feel like this ought to be the place where things are kept you know, appropriate. And they ought to. And we should stay away from these kind of topics. But I cannot stay away from these topics. Listen to me. Because there are people under the sound of my voice are listening to this message. There are people who have dealt with this for so long that the sin that just, it just got you, just that one time, that one click, that one phone call, that one flirt on Facebook, that one night over, that one deal has become a stronghold in your life. And now, now you're battling a marriage stronghold. You're battling a relationship problem. You're about to get married. You've been married 30 years and you've carried this thing with you. And today's the last day you're going to have to carry it. I want you to get free. I really do. I want you to get free of this sexual stronghold. And I want to start off with this one thought. Listen close. And this is really, this is so important to me that you catch this. That you have to understand, look in my eyes, everybody in the room, top to bottom. Everybody in this room lives in a fallen world. And every person here is involved in that fallenness. Listen to me. There is no one sin that's worse than another. There is no degrees of fallenness. There's us, and this is us. Everybody's got something. I'm tired of the culture pointing the finger at the other political parties saying they're the ones wrong. Look at all of them. I'm tired of you looking at other people who struggle differently in their sexuality. Just because you're in a heterosexual extramarital affair doesn't make it any better. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Everybody's fallen. Shout amen to that. You are. Point your finger right in your chest. Everybody in the room, look at you. You, you. This is not the kind of church we're going to point fingers and go, oh, man, pray for all those crazy people that are dealing with that thing. No. I got something. You got something. Everybody's fallen. Everybody's got something. We're all in this. This is, listen, this church is picked on, not this one, but the church at whole, we've picked on certain areas of fallenness, and we've said that one's worse than mine. Those people are worse. It is not worse than yours. We have to get to the point, and so help me God, this church will be the kind of church that says, listen, I understand how you got there. I know exactly how you went that far, because I'm just like you are. You're no worse than I am. We're all in this together. That's the reason I'm in this hospital, because I'm here to get some help. I'm just like you. If you thought this was a holy huddle of people who had it all together, this is the wrong church. See me afterwards, I'm going to give you a list of great churches where all those people go. But this church is a hospital for broken people. This church will always be a hospital for broken people. We'll always be in triage, putting people back together who are messed up, who don't have it. So you can sit here today with tears brimming in your eyes. You're no worse than anybody else, including the guy preaching today. We're all in this together, but we're all in this to get better together. Shout amen to that, everybody. I'm telling you, I want to break this off of your life. I grew up in church. I grew up, I, I, I really, I told God when I started preaching. I started preaching in, in youth ministry. My first seven years of my life were in youth ministry. Ricardo, Jeanette, you guys the same way. First, first time in my life, Grayland, same way. It was in youth ministry. And in youth ministry, you kind of, you know, you have to talk about sex this way. And I told God, I said, I want to remove the stigma of sex because God created sex, everybody. It wasn't the devil. I grew up in church where when you talked about sex, it was this. The only thing I ever heard was sex is ugly, dirty filthy and bad, you should save it for the one you love. (laughs) Why would I want to save it for her if it's that terrible? 
just awful. All them dirty people out there, perverts. You get the STDs and everything on you like that. You're just dirty. It's just dirty. Honestly, that's honestly how I, I really. And so I grew up with this idea that this was so bad. And then when somebody would talk about it, the only way I've heard them talk about it was it was ugly and it was wrong. Listen, look at me. God is pro-sex. Come on, somebody. God created. That was a little loud. I don't know who. God, cre- God created sex. Unless that was Brandy. God created sex. Y'all done got me fired up. But look at me. God's way is the best way. Listen to me, 20-something. Listen to me, 16-year-old, 15-year-old. You've never experienced what God really meant sex to be until you do it inside of the confines of God's way. God's way is the best way. Every other way, there's hurt and pain and shame and guilt until you do it God's way. It's not dirty. It's in this book. If you just read this book, listen, if I didn't preach, if I had no commentary, if I didn't do anything but read the words of this book, this week, preparing for this message, Proverbs chapter 5, this is a quote out of your Bible. It says this sentence, May her breasts satisfy you always. That ain't 50 shades of nothing. That's leather bound this right here. Y'all know what I'm trying to tell y'all. That's in this book, everybody. God created. He wasn't talking about somebody on the beach. He's talking about your wife, by the way. Amen. Then it continues on. This, I'm, t- I'm just reading the Bible to you. Like I know I want to demystify and de-dirtify this idea. You just keep reading same chapter. It says, may you be captivated by her love. If you look up the word captivated in the Greek, right beside there is a picture of Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm telling you? Captivated in the Greek is brown chicken, brown cow. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's candlelight. You know what I'm saying? The Bible doesn't not talk about sex. It's not dirty or filthy or bad. The, the reason you have that idea is because you've only seen it in this sexual assault of our culture. And we've never looked at it God's way. And I want you to look at it God's way and see. To stop letting the world define what it's supposed to be for you. I, I don't want what this world... This world ends in destruction and death and carnage everywhere. Marriage is messed up and unhappiness and suicide and divorce. I don't want that for you. I want something better for you. Don't let them define what it is. You didn't invent it. You don't get to tell us what it is. Especially if you're Christian today. Listen, because there's, there's a lot of us, here, here's, here's really the reason why I feel like preaching this to because there's a lot of us who, who have lived our lives in Christianity hiding this stronghold. You're able to come forward with every other sin except sexual sins. Honestly, I've, I've done ministry long enough, I know it. I, I just know it. It's the one thing. I, I have had people confess to me stuff they should not have confessed to me, you hear me? <laughs> and still hide sexual sin. Pastor, here's what I did. I cheated on this. I robbed this person. I, I, I got this and I, we did this and all this. And then two weeks later I found out you didn't tell me about that thing. Because we hide sexual sin. The Bible says it like this, Romans 1. It said there's a group of people who knew God. Not sinners. Not people outside of church. Us. You. Me. They knew God. But they wouldn't worship Him, underline this in your Bible, as God or even give Him thanks. This is an interesting, this is an interesting way to say it. It said there's some Christians in this world, they know God, but they don't worship Him. That doesn't mean singing three songs before I preach. That's not, 
That's not what that means. Worship Him as God. That means that you live your life in such a way that He gets to define your life for you. That He becomes God and you become His servant. That's how what being God means. You understand what I'm saying, everybody? But there's a whole bunch of Christians who say, Oh, I know God. I, I, yeah, I'm a Christian. I serve God. But I didn't know you meant I was going to change my life. I didn't know I actually had to do something where God can be in charge of my life. And then, and then before long, when they, when, they, when they know God, but they don't worship Him, they don't allow Him to be God in their life, before long they begin to think up foolish ideas. This is where most people are of what God's like. Oh, God's okay with me. I'm okay with me. God's okay with me. It's a, God understands me. I, I remember counseling a couple not here, not in this state, not in this church. One time who, they had some bad sexual stronghold situations, and they literally said, listen, God and I have a deal. We've worked it out. I've just come up with how I think God's like. And as a result of this, every single time, without exception, look at me in the eyes, you are not the exception to the rule, sir. Every time, as a result, it only leads to darkness and confusion. Every single time. Every single time. They get their own ideas of what God's like. I get to decide what's, it's my body, it's my truth. You understand what I'm telling you? You don't, you don't get to decide what truth is. The Bible said, He is the way, the, and the life. He gets to decide what it is. We start making up, this is what God's like, and before long there's darkness and there's confusion, claiming to be wise. They get on TV and tell you how smart they are. They've that, that, oh, we know better than everybody else. We know better than your biology. We know better than everything. We know it's better for everybody. Claiming to be wise, instead they became utter fools. I didn't say that. The Bible did. And as a result, here's where it always ends up. Here's where it always ends up. They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. It always ends up in sexual stronghold. Always. I can't tell you the number of Christian young people I've counseled who know God, but they don't acknowledge Him. They don't worship Him as God. They don't surrender their lives completely to God, that God's in control of everything in my life. And before long, they start dreaming up what God is like, and it always ends up with defiling one another, degrading one another with their bodies. And they trade the truth of God for a lie. I want to give you a couple of lies of the enemy. I want to help you with that. I want to expose some sex lies for you. If you're taking notes, take good notes. Write these down. I have to go quickly. Number one, a lie about sex is this. This is that lie down there that you've exchanged truth for a lie. Here's the first one. Sex is an animalistic action. It's a lie. That sex is just an animalistic action. That I'm, we're, we're just animals, you and me, baby. I'm just an animal, so we should respond to our feelings. We should just do whatever our feelings want. Because I'm an animal, you're an animal. Let's just, it just, it feels good. Let's, it doesn't matter. Listen, I'm just, I, I just do what I feel because I'm just, I can't control it. I'm just, it's just an animalistic action. It's just a return, just an action to that. Look in my eyes. You and I, believers, are not defined by our feelings, everybody. I am so tired of our generation talking about how we feel. I feel like you're feeling. 
feeling that you're feeling too much, everybody. If you trust your feelings, it'll lead you in every wrong direction. I don't trust my feelings. My feelings said stay home and let somebody else preach today. I don't trust my feelings. I do what God wants me to do, everybody. I'm not just an animal who's not in charge. I'm led by my desires come from God. I don't follow my feelings. You don't follow your feelings. I subject my feelings to God and say, God, this is the way I feel. What do you think about this? We just, but we've we've made we've reduced sex down to this animalistic action. We even call it when you get the talk from your parents. We call it the birds and the bees, animals. Why do we do that? Why do we call it the birds and the bees? I don't know, baby. The birds, they get up there and they just fly around and they do it. And I don't know what it is. And the bees with the stinger and the whatnot. And anyways. (laughs) It's not birds and bees. Birds and bees are not human beings. They don't have a soul. They don't have a divine purpose. You are the call of God. you got a plan. you got a purpose. You've got the breath of God in your life. We're not just animals, everybody. We don't just do what animals do. We don't just do it doesn't we don't do whatever urge we get. We don't follow our urges. Because we're not animals. Like deer hunting. How many where are all my deer hunters at? Where are you at? Yeah, my God. Keep your hand up. Somebody gotta give me back strap. I want to see where you are. When you're in deer, you're deer hunting white-tailed deer, they're so smart. You go, you're sitting in that deer blind, and there's a big old field out there, and and the, and the little fawns come on the outside of the uh, the uh, you know the, the forest line, the tree line. Those fawns just they just they come around. They don't they don't care because they know you're not really hunting them. And, and then right behind them, there's those does. And really, I mean, they're a little bit more protective and cautious, but not really. They're just kind of going out and kind of walking on because you're really not hunting them. But there's a smart one. The smart one, yeah, that smart one's that big buck sitting back there at the, you know what I'm talking about, he's sitting right, he's sitting right here, and he doesn't, he doesn't just walk out into your line of sight, he sits inside of this tree line and kind of pokes his head out a little bit, and pokes his head back, and he eats a little bit and comes back, and he, why is that, because he's smart, because he knows if I just walk out here, you're going to kill me, you go, bam, it's over with, now listen to me. The exception to this is during a remarkable season called the rut. Rut is when does, female deers, are in heat. And there's science that male deers, bucks, lose their minds during rut. Everybody wants to go hunting during rut. Because that buck that's normally cautious and standing behind, when when it's rut, he's like, where you at, baby? Come here, come here, girl. Where you at? Come here, where you at? Where you at, girl? And he's out, and, and before long, bam, and he's over with, and he's on your wall. Come on, somebody. The moral of the story is, if you just act like animals, you're going to get shot in the head. Only in Texas can I talk about sex and deer hunting in the same message. (laughs) Honestly, though, there's so many trophies of hell because you couldn't control because you just acted like an animal. Sex is not an animalistic action. 
Number two, sex is just a recreational activity. It's a lie of the enemy. Oh, this is just for fun. You're making more of a deal out of it than it should be. It's just spring break. I don't even know her name. We were just drunk. I don't even know where it came from. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know where she lives. I don't know. I honestly didn't even get her name. It's just recreation. We're just having fun. Listen to me. Sex is not just a recreational activity. It's more than that. When God created sex, it was more than that. It was, it, it, was more, it was more than just the union of a physical body. It was the union of your souls, everybody. It was deeper than that. It was deeper than just your physical body. It was your souls are now tying together. And, you, and the enemy's told you that's that pretending. That's that argument in your mind when you say, oh, it's just for fun. It's just recreation. No, 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 it's not just recreation. Number three, we tell ourselves sex is just an isolated event. It's a lie of the enemy. That it stays in the moment. That I can click on that, and then I click off of that, and it stays there. But listen to me. When you click on that, part of you stays there, and part of it stays with you. It is not an isolated event. It's not an isolated moment. Matter of fact, the world came up with a marketing plan to sell this lie. That sex is an isolated event. It goes like this. What happens in Vegas? But it doesn't stay in Vegas. It goes to the counseling couch. Ten years later, when it comes out in your marriage. Two weeks later, when somebody calls. Ten years later, when you're in a stronghold that you don't know how to get out of. It's not just an isolated event. I I say it this way. It hollows out your soul. I see so many people, honestly, I really do. I think it's a spiritual gift of discernment where I can look in your eyes and there's a hollowness. I just know. The good news today is that God can heal all of that hollowness. That even though it's isolated, even though you, you think, oh, nobody know, nobody found out. No, 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 I need God's healing. Everybody needs that kind of healing to fill up our soul again. Amen, everybody. Here's the fourth lie. About sex, i got to hurry. My clock's counting down. I hate this clock. If I had a gun, I'd shoot that clock. Number four, the lie of the enemy is that sex is just physical. That it's just physical. It, let, let me give you two words. I'm going to give you two words. And if I'm your pastor, if you, if, I want you to write these two words down. And I want you to apply this to every area. It doesn't matter what I'm preaching, honestly. Sex one week. Talking about your purpose the next week. Or heaven or hell. Or we're going to talk about the cross in March. And Easter. And well, it doesn't really matter what I'm talking about. The two words I'm going to give you right now will change everything about your life. It'll change this discussion and every discussion. Write these two words as big as you can. It's spiritual. Write that down in your notes. Nothing in your life is physical. Only. Nothing is just physical. Everything is spiritual. Including sex. Everything's spiritual. Those two words, it's spiritual, answered this discussion, and they answer every discussion you're having. In your marriage right now, you're going, what's going on, baby? Why are we not? It's spiritual. What's going on with our kids? It's spiritual. I'm telling you, it's spiritual. Here's the reason why. Because you are a spirit, everybody. The Bible says you're made in the image of God. That doesn't mean when God looks at you, He goes, oh, look, He's got my eyes. That's not what that means, everybody. You don't have His eyes and His nose and His ears. It means, the Bible says in John, that God is Spirit. And if God is spirit and you're made in the image of God, you are 
spirit. We are not physical beings. Listen close. We are not physical beings, earthly beings, having a temporary spiritual life. We are spiritual beings having a temporary physical life. You understand what I'm telling you? Everything's spiritual in your life, including sex. And the, and the enemy will tell you, one of those arguments, one of those pretending will tell you, oh, it's just physical. It's just about physical. No, no, no. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. More of your life can be solved when you view it as spiritual. It's spirituality. Why did God make it spiritual? Listen, because He wanted it more to just be physical pleasure for you. Look in my eyes. It's more than that. He wanted so much. I love the God of the Bible because He wants more than your temporary physical happiness. He wants you to experience spiritual which is intimacy that's the better word that's what God wants for you and if you reduce sex down to the physical action and not spiritual then you never get to the point of intimacy it's the highest form of fulfillment and pleasure and peace and it's in the confines of God's ideal one man, one woman in marriage everybody shout amen to that that's God's ideal but we get it so wrong, and before long it gets out of control. I like to say it this way. Here's the way that I describe it. It's like a fire. It's supposed to be cozy and warm. How many of you got a fire pit in your backyard? Where are you at right now, all my fire pit people? Keep your hands up. I want to come over. Fire pit in your backyard, and you build this pit. And if you're not careful, listen, when that fire starts going, if you don't have some stones around it and, the, and rocks around it and a pit around it, that fire that was supposed to keep you warm and cozy and nice and you sit there and you warm up by the fire, now that thing's out of control and it's burning down your yard and burning down the fence and burning down your house. And some of you are looking around at smoldering houses and homes and marriages because the fire didn't have the stones around. You just got to put it inside of this thing. You, you ask me, Pastor, why? I don't understand. Why is everything burning? Why is everything on fire around me? If you don't build it in this fire pit, it will burn you. If you'll leave it in that fire pit where God designed it to be one man, one woman in marriage, if you'll put it in there, it will be the most beautiful. I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's an amazing experience. But if you just make it physical, you'll just move it around. Listen, real love is defined by commitment to a person, not a feeling. Real love is defined by commitment to a person. And anything that removes the person, anything that removes the person makes it not real love. That's why pornography is so, is, is so rampant. That's why it's a stronghold. Pornography is more than a sin. It's a stronghold. Listen to me. Men and women. The, the, most statistics say now that women watch pornography just as much as men do. The, the, we have got it all wrong. We're just preaching to men about this. The reason pornography is a stronghold is because you remove the person from sex. It's a, it's a screen. It's a magazine. It's paper. You remove the commitment to a person. I don't have to have sex with a person. I get to watch. And this feeling comes. And it's a stronghold. And it's not real love. And it destroys your success in intimacy in every other relationship in your life. Because you had this fire that got out of control. Are you still okay, everybody? Say amen. If you're here for the first time, I promise you next week I'm not going to talk about sex. My goodness. But God's way will work in your life. Let me wrap it up saying this way. Let me give you a scripture to help wrap it up. 1 Corinthians 6 and 15 says, Do you not know... I really don't think most people do, which is why I'm preaching this way. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ Himself? Should I then take the members of Christ or my body 
and unite them. That's a, listen, that word means glue. In the Greek, it literally meant to fuse together like glue. Do I unite them with a prostitute? This is better translated any sexual immorality, not just a prostitute, any sex outside the confines of that fire pit, okay? Anywhere that fire is, is moving. And then the Bible kind of answers its own question and says, Never do you not know that the person, the man or the woman who unites himself with sexual immorality is, there's this idea again, is one with her in her body. For it said the two will become one flesh. Listen, it says you are a member of Christ. What you do in this body, you do in God's house. Listen to me. I grew up in the deep south. We used to talk about church being God's house. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? We just, yeah, listen, we're all good together. We're going to go to God's house in a week. My God, praise the Lord, it's so good to be in God's house. Y'all know what I'm talking about, everybody? God's house. Look at my eyes. This is not God's house. The building with a steeple on it isn't God's house. This is God's house, everybody. And if you wouldn't do it in this building, why would you do it in this one? This is, the, this is what the Bible says. Don't you know? Don't you know that you are God's house? And you can't glue yourself together outside. Or there's a stronghold. So what do we do now? So thank you for asking. Come on, Henry, come play something happy for him. i got to hurry. What do we do now? I used to tell young people this when I was in youth ministry. Here's what the Bible says. Flee from sexual immorality. People would call and go, Pastor, I don't know what to do right now. I'm, I'm, like, I'm really, like, we're, we're in the car right now, and it's getting real hot, and I don't know. And my shirt's off and whatnot. I don't know what to do. I, I would tell them this is the truth, Henry. I'd look at them, I'd say, all I can tell you what the Bible said. The Bible says, flee. You know what that re- word is? Run. Get out of the car and run around the block. That feeling will leave you. You hear me? Men, 45, 50-year-old men, you got a problem with your computer? Get up and run a mile or two. You'll come back to me. I'm too tired. I don't even want to look. I don't even want to look no more. I don't even, even want to look. Flee sexual immorality. All other sins, I love God for this reason. Everything else, every other problem you have is outside of your body. God says, I can handle all of that. That's sin against me. What I love about the God of the Bible is He said, you know what I'm most concerned about? I love you so much, I hate when you sin against your own body. God said, I would rather rather you sin against me than I would yourself. Because sexual strongholds are sins against your own body. And you carry those scars with you. That's what I love about God is He says, listen, this is not to to make your life tough. This is because I love you so much. I don't want you to carry around these scars. I don't want you to get stuck in shame. Because the sin gets deeper. And it's a cycle. And we all struggle. And we all belong to God. And He owns us, everybody. And we love that He owns us. Here's what the Bible said. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? Have you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Everybody loves when Jesus buys you with His own blood to keep you out of hell. But this is the part about salvation that's tough for people to grab a hold of. Therefore, I don't get to do whatever I want with my body. Because I'm the house of the living God. He lives in me. Let me give you four things. Three or four things. I don't know how quickly I can get there. 
that'll help you get out of the sex trap. Write these down and we'll close our notes and pray. 1 Thessalonians said, God wants you to be pure and keep clear of all sexual sin. For God has not called us to, I love this translation, for God hasn't called us to be dirty-minded, full of lust, but to be holy and clean. Here's the first thing, you got to make a commitment to God's way. you got to make a commitment to God's way. If you're here today, listen, my feelings don't drive me. I'm not just going to do what I want. I'm going to take this back to God. God invented sex anyway. This was God's idea. I'm going to go back to God. I'm going to make a commitment to God's way. God, you tell me what it is. Listen, I don't care what it is. Addiction, hurt, pain, pornography. It doesn't matter. Just turn around, everybody. Just repent. I'm calling us to repentance today. Just give it to God. Just turn around from it. Just, just make a commitment. Not a feeling, because you won't feel like doing it. Make a choice. If you will, here's what the Bible promises you. You don't have to deal with shame and guilt all of your life. It says, though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. God, I love that. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor, can I, is it possible to be a born-again virgin? I said, I don't even know what that means. I don't know. I do know this. It doesn't matter how bad it is. You can be white as snow. Like you really can. Like God will really forgive you. But you got a role to play. You say, what do I leave out of here doing? How how do I do different? What am I supposed to do? 2 Corinthians says, therefore, come out from them and be separate. Don't do what they do. If you want something better than them, do something different than them. Touch no unclean thing. And I'll receive you. And this is my favorite part of this whole passage. And I will be a father to you. Look at this on this screen, everybody in this room. If you'll do that, if you'll give your sexual stronghold to God, you'll know God in a way you've never known Him before. I'll be a father to you. I'll protect you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to laugh at you or make fun of you. No, no, no. I'm a, I want to be a father to you. I want to cover you. I want to forgive you. Oh, God, I feel what I'm preaching right now. I want to be a father to you. You don't have to come to me with your head hanging down, talking about I don't know if God would even. Oh, yeah. God said if the moment that you'll separate from that, I'll receive you. I'll be a father to you. I'll protect you like your father should. Here's the second thing. you got to learn how to manage your mind. Write this down you got to learn how to manage your mind. It's a mind game. It's a mind game. I read the other day that pornography, the pornography industry had more revenue in 2017 than Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, and the National Hockey League combined in pornography. And it, it's all about your mind. you got to learn how to manage your mind. You get, Listen, don't be naive. Don't, listen, the struggle is real, everybody. Look in my eyes. 65-year-old, look in my eyes. It's still real. It's in your mind. That's why Romans says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they're not dirtier than everybody else. They just think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. It's just a battle of your mind. If your sinful nature controls your mind, that's where you're going to go. It's death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, 
brings life and peace. Bow your heads all over the room, everybody. you're here today and you're struggling, you're thinking, man, I know what that means. Like that sexual sin, I know what that means. That stronghold that I just, I've dealt with it over and over. I can't get rid of it. It won't let me go. Listen, I'm talking to marriages. You've been here before. It's more than sin. It's a stronghold. Today's the day to break the cycle. Today's the day to break the cycle. How do you do it? Here's my last two things. Just keep your head bowed. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to preach them to you. I'm just going to tell them to you. You got to get right relationships. It's why church is so important. It's why groups are so important. You got to have some accountability. Somebody's got to know the password to your phone. Somebody's got to know everything about you. Somebody's got to know. I don't care who it is. Somebody's got to know. You got to have an accountability. You got to have somebody, a healthy somebody. Got to have somebody you can talk to, somebody you can pray, somebody who'll be with you, somebody who'll, who'll cry with you, somebody who you can call on the phone and go, hey man, I'm struggling right now. I need, I need a group. Everybody needs a group. And then here's the last thing. Keep your eyes closed. You need to elevate God's plan for your life. I said this last service and I thought, when I thought about it, I thought, is that what I meant? It is. Listen to me. My family is the first reason why. They're the first reason why. But just next to my family, do you know the reason why? That I, I, I try to live a clean life and I don't, I don't want to get trapped in sexual sin. You know why? You. You are the reason. And besides my family, my wife and my kids, you're the second reason why. Because I have purpose. I don't want to let you down. Listen to me. When you finally elevate your purpose, it's why I preach purpose so much to you. Because when you elevate the plan of God in your life, you won't sacrifice that plan on the altar of anything. Nothing else feels as good as doing what God called me to do. Nothing else is as pleasurable as knowing I'm making a difference. I'm living in my purpose. I'm doing what God called me. Now, Holy Spirit, with our eyes closed and our head bowed, I pray, God, that you'll do what only you can do. God, I preach my hardest, the best I know how to open your word and look at sexual strongholds. But really, now's the time for action where I take all of those thoughts and make them captive and obedient to you. Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment you'll give us strength to do that. God, I pray for deliverance in this room. I speak deliverance over every man and woman and young person in this room. Oh, God, I feel this right now. I, I break off of you that generational stuff that you feel like everybody else had this problem. I must be. My mother was promiscuous. I must be. Everything else. My parents had this struggle. My daddy looked at this. I have to. No, no, no. I break that off of you in Jesus' name. Come on, I take all of that stuff captive right now. I say you will obey Christ. You'll, obey, you'll be obedient to His Word. You'll be I am not controlled by my feelings any longer. I'm more than an animal. I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God. I've got plans and purpose and destiny inside of me. God has something for me, potential inside of me. I will not sacrifice my purpose on the altar of my pleasure. Not one more day. Come on, everybody in the room, pray. 
God, I give you my whole heart. God, I surrender all of that stuff to you. If it's a stronghold in your life, you need to tell him only you know. There may be the people closest to you who don't know, but you know. Tell him, God, I give you this stuff. I give you what I'm struggling with. That stronghold I keep coming back to over and over and over again. That won't let me go. I give it to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout a big amen. Come on, everybody shout a better amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give Him the best praise we've given Him today, everybody. Put your hands together and give God praise.